book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We've been studying 1 Corinthians here for, for a little while. Brother Brad, I, I, I must say that um, as a little kid, I mean, I'm younger than Joanne. <laughs> as a little kid, I remember leading singing, leading songs. On Wednesday night, that's what we did. And I'm sure Joanne did too. And that's what we did. We looked forward to that on Wednesday night. We led the singing. And it was fun. I remember when I got, Daddy told me that I was probably too old to lead a song anymore. And that was terrible. That was terrible. Because I liked leading a song. And we all did. We all took our turn and led a song. And I don't remember if song practice lasted, but song service lasted more than 30 minutes or not. But, you know, we had a lot of kids here, and we all took our turn to lead the song, and, and I remember that, and I hope everybody else that did it remembers it, because it was a, it was a thing. I bet I mean, you learned no way means, didn't it? We tried, <laughs> uh, Brother Judy Hamilton tried to teach us that, but I never learned it. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, these kids here will remember getting up singing a song, and they'll remember getting up and leading a song, so... So it's something that, you know, when we're all gone, it needs to be carried on too. Absolutely. And you grew up, you still lead the songs every Sunday morning. You may not choose the number, but you lead the songs every Sunday morning. But it was, you know, it's something that nobody else, I mean, when we had visitors, it was looked down upon. But the wheel would kept it going, and I'm glad he did. The Bible says to train up a child. It, It don't say to train up the kids once they get to this age, or once they get to this age, it... It says train them up, and I believe that starts as young as period. Uh, Bailey is, is, she's saying excuse me every time she burps or hiccups or her foot squeaks. She says excuse me. And and then Emily is trying to train her. My parents didn't, or my mama tried, but they they didn't train me good enough for that to be instilled in me permanently. And and Bailey is learning that. And, And whatever these kids look forward to, whatever they are enthusiastic about as a kid, that, that's something that they, they put value into. Absolutely. That's a priority. Uh, I remember when Papa Clyde would teach singing schools, and he taught several at Forest Haven when I was a kid, and we did the do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. Is that all of them? Yep. Yeah. I retained that information. I wanted to lead music so bad. Oh, I wanted to lead music. And, uh, and it was looked down upon. If, if you weren't a saved member of the church, you, you couldn't lead music. And I was... 10, 11, 12 years old before I ever got to stand up lead music in church. And, and I was so excited about it. Every church service when I showed up, I uh, picked me out a book and I turned me a page down of a song that I really liked. And, and that started at a very young age. And, and these kids, they buy into that. And church is not something that we try to sell. But at a young age, you need something other than being spiritually fed to get you to church a lot of times. It's really hard to get these kids to understand that it's the, the Bible content that should motivate them to get them here. Sometimes it takes recreation time with each other after church is over. Sometimes it takes a corn dog. When I was in college, you took barbecue every Thursday to get 30 or 40 people to come to South Campus and listen to a Bible study. And a lot of times they didn't come for the, bar, for the, for the Word of God, they come for the barbecue. But they got the Word of God anyway. And regardless of why the kids come, I know... A lot of parents say you're going to church as long as you live with me. And regardless of their motivation, once they get here, they they get the Word of God and they get the Word of God in these songs. And if it's something that they're enthusiastic about, then 
And that's something that will stick with them. Mm-hmm. If you notice, it's not just, just here, it's all over. There is a tremendous age gap in the church. Uh, you, you see a large number of, of young kids, 14, 15 years old and, and under in, in this church right now. There's a large number, or in my mind, there's a large number. And then you see a large number of people older than me. But you really don't see a large number of people in their 20s. There's not a large number of those. And and in a lot of churches, you'll have a few scattered out here and there, and and it even goes up to 30s in most places. But there's a generation there that didn't buy in the church. And Paul here is talking about dealing with weak believers and and, and it's something that, that has to be addressed, uh, especially for, for me as a pastor. It's something that has to be looked at. Uh, we, we can't, and that's what Paul said. We're going to look at it right here in First uh, Corinthians chapter three. We're going to begin in verse one. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you spirit as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now. Are ye able? Anybody ever wonder why they don't teach Revelation in Bible school? You ever seen that? You ever seen the book of Revelation taught Bible school? How come? How about Ezekiel? Can we talk about Ezekiel in Bible school? Or Isaiah? It's, it's not really looked at a lot in Bible school because as, as kids, you, you want to teach them the Bible. But it's, it's like trying to teach calculus in, in fifth grade math class. It's, it's not something that's it's going to be grasped. There's a hierarchy, a pyramid, if you will. Things that must be learned first. Things that must be established. And then you work your way up. Uh, and for those who are interested, I'm not to Revelation, Ezekiel, and Isaiah yet. I'm not there. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still down here. But, but it's something that must be worked up to. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, as, as someone who is spiritually mature, as someone who can, can take it all. He said, but unto, as unto babes, in Christ, I have fed you with milk, the, the simple things. And we've been through chapters 1 and 2. And there's a lot of what I call meat in chapters 1 and 2. And Paul is saying this, this is the milk. And, and this is just a letter. He was with them beforehand. And he said, I fed you milk. I, I fed you the simple things. I started small. How do you eat an elephant? How do you do it? One bite at a time. That's the only way to do it. So whenever you start off with, with that one bite, has anybody ever tried to eat one of them giant pizzas? Anybody? Some restaurants make these, these pizzas that are 48 inches in diameter. They're humongous. And if you eat the whole thing, it's free. And sometimes you can bring a friend with you, sometimes you can't. There was a restaurant in, uh, in Texas whenever we went over there. No, it wasn't. It was Carolina. They had a steak. You ever tried one of them? Eat the whole steak? That thing covered two plates. They, they brought it out there on two plates. It was humongous. I couldn't eat. I ended up having to pay for it. It was humongous. But the bigger the bites you take, the harder it is for you to get deeper and deeper and deeper into that steak. You, you, you take small bites, you work your way into it, and eventually you look down and say, oh my goodness, look what I have found. You know, a lot of times the Word of God is like that. It's hard to reach down and, and grab a, a chunk and understand it. The Bible is, is not something that we can look at and, and say, oh, I got it all. Because we don't have it all. We're not going to get it all. It, it is something that we learn more and more about 
as we grow. Even those of you in here that's, that's tradesmen, you don't know everything about what it is you're doing. If you think you do, give it a little bit of time and it's going to change again. Uh, my dad, he, he built cabinets for years and, and he was really good at it. And, uh, and about three or four years ago, he, uh, he discovered a new way, or he discovered, he saw somebody else do it, and discovered a new way to put in drawer slides. That made it a ton easier, way faster, and cheaper. So guess what? The way we build cabinets now has changed. He knew how to do it. He knew all about it. But there's always something else that, he, that, that you can learn, something that is changing, something that is evolving. And, and it all boils back to the way that, that your perspective is. As a kid, your perspective is way down here. So whenever you look at the kitchen table, you see the gum that's underneath the kitchen table. You don't see the top of the table. You see the tablecloth hanging down that, that you can grab a hold of and pull off. You, you can't see the top of the table. But as you grow, the top of the table begins to come into view. And it's the same way with the Bible. If you studied a, a, went, went through and studied a, a book of the Bible or went through and studied a gospel or whatever the case may be, and you did it five or six years ago, go back and do it again. Your perspective has changed. The, the things that you have experienced in your life since then has changed the way that you'll read some things in this Bible. It'll change the way that, that God will allow you to see some things differently in this Bible. We are constantly, and I know the word evolving is something that people don't like to use, but as humans, we are constantly evolving in our perspective and the way that we view things, the way that we see things, the way that God allows us to understand His Word. And Paul here, he says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat because you were not able to bear it. God will give us what we need, but it will all come in time. Let's continue reading. For one is said, oh, excuse me, verse number three. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? The Paul is saying, I didn't give you meat because there's things that you need to address first. We're not diving off into some huge theology conversation because we hadn't got the simple stuff out of the way. We hadn't understood, we hadn't come to terms with, we hadn't got this, these, these things that's between me and God. These envies, this strife, these divisions. We hadn't got them out of the way yet. How are you going to sit there and chew meat whenever you still got a mouthful of something else? He said, you got to get these out of the way first. For one saith, I am of Paul, and another saith, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos has watered, but God gave the increase. Tonight I want to focus on that just a little bit tonight. Who gets the glory in our life? Whenever somebody scores a touchdown, what do they do? Celebrate. How do they celebrate? Almost, and I'm not all of them, but almost all of them beat on their chest. You ever seen people do that? I don't like to do that. It hurts. People are beat on their chest. They'll make a dunk to basketball and basketball and they'll beat on their chest. They hit a home run in baseball and they beat on their chest. Well, what do they say? What are they saying? Look at me. Look what I did. Look what I have achieved. Who gets the glory whenever something happens in our life? Who gets the honor? Whenever we achieve something, whenever we learn something, whenever the, the better way of putting it is whenever God blesses us with something. Who gets the glory? Paul said that some of you got saved whenever I was preaching. But he said, it's not me. Some of you got saved whenever Apollos was preaching. But it's not Apollos. 
He said the same thing about baptism. He said, it's, it, it's a good thing that I didn't baptize a whole bunch of you. He said, it don't matter. Who was saved whenever you got preaching? Don't matter. It's the message that you believed. Verse number seven. So then neither is he that planteth anything. Neither is he that watereth. But God that giveth the increase. God allows things to happen in our life. And God promised that if we'll live for Him, that He'll bless us. But He receives the glory for that. Whatever I achieve in my life is, is through the blessings of God. God allows it to happen. Whenever the people call it the stars lining up, people will say, I'm, I'm going outside today because my sign is right. My horoscope is right. It's all about God. We get ourselves confused sometimes and we'll say, look what I have done. Look what I have achieved. I killed a big deer this past year. Big deer. Got him back in the taxidermist. Big deer. And I only went hunting five, six, seven times. Not very much. I didn't go much at all. I killed a couple of hogs and a couple of deer. But I didn't go hunting much at all. And I was walking to the deer stand. Had a handful of pound cake in this hand. Had my gun slung over my shoulder. And I'm walking to the deer stand and I see the deer. He's standing out there. Nothing that I did made that deer walk out. He wasn't in my corn pile. I didn't grunt. I didn't blate. I didn't rattle horns together. I was just walking. I, I was late. It was already daylight. I was late. I got up early and I was sitting in the truck because I wasn't walking through there holding a the cake and a flashlight. I just had my cake. It was my birthday. Nothing that I did, nothing that I did made that deer walk out there. Not a thing. That deer looked at me and I looked at that deer. And like I said, he's big horns. I looked at that deer and, and I put the pound cake in my mouth. I pulled a gun off of my shoulder and I pick it up. That deer never moved. Nothing that I did kept that deer from moving. And yet whenever I shot and that deer hit the ground, all I want to do was beat on my chest. Look what I have done. Look what, And I took a picture of it. I took a picture of it and I sent it to him and I said, going on the wall. Of course, she wasn't awake yet. So I sent both my brothers. I said, going on the wall. And it wasn't until I got back to the house that it hit. It took me probably 30 minutes to get that deer loaded up. He weighed a ton. And from the time that I got out of my truck that morning to the time that I was driving back through the gate, leaving with a deer in the back of my truck, I never thanked God for blessing me to be able to get that deer. I never did. Not a single time. And I was going out the gate, and, and that's when it hit me. I, I, I was convicted. That's when I realized that I had not given God the glory for allowing me to shoot that deer. Nothing that I did done it. Like I said, he wasn't eating corn. He, he, it, was, it was an accident. Some of the biggest fish I've ever caught has been accidents. My biggest bass that I've ever caught in Louisiana, I caught on a trot line. Okay? I, I was white perch fishing and I caught it on a minnow on a trot line. It's not supposed to happen. God don't tell us to make sense of it. But He does tell us to give Him the glory. Give Him the honor. Be thankful, yes. But don't say it's all me. These people that beat on their chest and say, I'm the best. God has allowed them to be the best. 
Whenever we say, I have done, God has allowed us to do. Go read the book of Daniel. There's a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. He said, look what I have done. Look at great Babylon that I have built. Look what I have achieved. I am the boss. What was he doing the next day? He was wandering around in the field. Claws, hair, feathers all over him. Wet with the dew. God humbled him down. But God giveth the increase. God gets all the glory. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about this, that, and the other. It's about God. It all comes back to that. It is all due to God, and it all comes from God. I want to read you a couple of verses real quick. Psalm 29.2 Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. What what percentage of the glory is due to God? It says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. What percentage of the glory is due unto Him? 100%. So what is due to us? What can I beat on my chest about? Psalm 34, 3. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Psalm 57, 5. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. That's above all of us. That's above all of what we can achieve. That's all of, above everything. Is God gets the glory. Psalm 107, 32. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. Isaiah 25, 1. O Lord, Thou art my God. I will exalt Thee. I will praise Thy name. Thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels are of old faithfulness and true. All the honor, all the glory is due to God. I don't deserve it. I can't do it. The old saying is, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. That's how the song goes. Can't even walk without you holding my hand. The mountain's too high, the valley's too wide. It's a beautiful song and it has a beautiful meaning. The valley's too wide. I can't walk without God holding my hand. I, I, I can't do anything. I love what Brother Doug said last Sunday. And it may have been Sunday before last in, in Sunday school. Talking about the difference between humbleness and lowliness. He said it's not about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. There's only so much honor that can go around, but God deserves it all. And then in return, God will honor us for honoring Him. Let me read some more to you. 1 Kings 3 and 13. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall be no, not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. He asked Solomon, he said, what can I give you? What do you want? Ask anything. It's that, it's that old trick question. What would you do if you had one wish? Solomon said, I want the wisdom to govern your people. I want the wisdom to rule your people. And God said, I have given thee both which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor. Psalm 91, 15. He should call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him 
and I will honor him. Ecclesiastes 6 2, a man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul. All that he desireth, yet God giveth him not the power to eat thereof. But a stranger eateth. This is vanity, and it is an evil disease. Whenever we get caught up trying to give ourselves things that we don't deserve, it all comes from God, and it's all due back to God. Daniel five eighteen is whenever, whenever God is talking to Nebuchadnezzar, He said, "O thou King, the Most High God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom, majesty of glory and honor." After He put God first, John twelve and twenty six says that Jesus said, "If any man serve Me, let him follow Me." And where I am, there shall my servant be. If any man serve me, he will honor my Father. And him will my Father honor. If we will serve God, if we will honor God, if we will give Him the praise and the glory. Paul said in verse 5, Who then is Paul? Who am I? If we see, if we see the preacher, and we only see the preacher, we've missed it all. If we see the, the, the mouthpiece, if we see the radio, if we see a name, and, we, and that's all we see, we've missed it all. It all comes from God. Who is Paul and who is Apollos? The ministers by whom you believe. He said, I have plenty. Apollos has water, but God gave the increase. Verse number 8, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labors. For we are labors together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Every day in our life we have the opportunity to take glory for ourselves because God blesses us above what we ever deserve. God takes care of us. God leads. God guides us. God has opened in doors whenever we don't even realize there's one in front of us. He's still there. And if we're not very, very careful, we'll take that glory for ourselves. We'll beat on our chest and we'll say, look what I have done. Look what I have built. But it's what God has blessed us to build. It's what God has blessed us to do. It's what God has given us. In the age of social media, it is easy to brag. Really easy. Everybody's bragging about what their kids are doing. And you can brag all you want about what your kid's doing. Mine's the smartest and the prettiest and the cutest. And she's just the best. I mean, no offense to none of your kids. Mine's the best. We brag about them all. But God's the one that blessed them. God's the one that gives us healthy kids. God's the ones that give us classroom full of kids out here. Two weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I went out there to, to check on that class to make sure the air conditioner was on and everybody was open and, and they was having class in there. And there wasn't an empty chair in the building. Whole chair, all the way around two or three tables from one end to the other, was full. I made a comment in person service that evening and said, we may have to add on to this building, make it bigger. Brother D.B. said, that's the best problem we could have. But it's because of God. It's not because of what individuals have done. It's not because of what the church has done. It's because of what God does through us. And I pray that every day that we stand, that I stand, Every day that we live, that we could give God the glory that He deserves. And He deserves all of it. And He promised that He would honor us if we'll honor Him. Well, we have a verse for song.